At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. A warm up for Elite Low. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Apes Pierce. And now a part of the Vison family of podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we head out to the wonderful city of Philadelphia, and that's where we find our good friend John Jansen over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. We've got to talk with him about this cold stretch that we are seeing from Villanova. They have started the year 2-5, and five, and we are seeing actually quite a few power conference teams that, needless to say, are struggling right now. So we're going to get his thoughts on what we've seen out of Villanova. He was someone that was doing a lot of the games for the PK-85, taking a look at those. So we're going to get a little bit of a recap on that and just talk with him about some of the teams that have been impressing him slash not impressing him to begin the season, both the positives and the negatives. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Monday as we had some bank shots. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Naming does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, that is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really didn't get in any Twitter questions today, but boy, did we see some overtime in basketball on Sunday. You know where I'm going with this, so... Let's take a look at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. In four, count them, four overtimes, Alabama gets the job done, 103 to 101. And if you took, like, a point to a point out for North Carolina, you're probably very salty that they couldn't inbound the ball in quadruple overtime, but... For North Carolina, you saw Caleb Love go 13 of 36 from the floor for 34 points. So many end of overtime, double overtime, triple overtime games where he just held the ball and then took up a brick of a shot. Armando Baycott, 20 points and rebounds. You'd honestly expect a little bit more from him in a four overtime game. And Brandon Miller did not have it in this one for Alabama. 4 of 21 from the floor, 14 points, but Charles Bediaco, 16 rebounds down low, and Mark Sears, he was open from three-point range. 7 of 11 from three for Alabama to get it done. North Carolina, they take another loss, but certainly for them, things not as bad as they are for Villanova, and we're going to be talking about this more with John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. Villanova right now one of the worst teams at guarding the arc in college basketball. 74-67. to Oregon gets it done. It's Quincy Carrier. Went 6 of 10 from 3-point range. Overall for Oregon, they went 11 of 29 from distance. Carrier 19 
Gary, 21 points. Will Richardson, 19 points, 8 assists. He was not getting online prior to this game. And for Villanova, it was the Eric Dixon and Caleb Daniels show. A combined 29 points out of these two guys. I will say Brandon Allison off the bench, 15 big points. But without Cam Whitmore, without Justin Moore, this Villanova team, they need more because it's not going well for them right now. This was a candidate for one of the worst beats that we've seen in the early part of the season for Duke. They lose to Purdue by a count of 75 to 56. The side is not the bad beat. Purdue was a better team. They were the right side all throughout. They got up 15 points just before halftime, so they were looking good there. The real bad beat is this game was, I mean, rather competitive, 63 to 55. Purdue was leading with nine minutes left. Duke was able to cut it to... 63 to 56 with a made free throw by Kyle Filipowski. They did not score in the final 701 of the game, and for that matter, they had one point in the final nine minutes. If you had the over in this game, and it was a low total of 133 and a half, you literally needed about like 20 points in the final nine minutes, and it came up snake eyes. That is really, really bad, but what is really good is how this Purdue team is looking right now. Zach Eady, giant of the earth, 21 points, 12 rebounds. You had 18 points out of the freshman in Fletcher Lawyer as well. And for Duke, well, they went 2 of 19 from three-part range. That was not too terrific. Filipowski did his part. He was able to give the team 14 points. And Therese Proctor has not necessarily been an offensive force. 16 points. And it's not like Duke was really turning the ball over 11 turnovers, but they got decimated on the glass. 42 to 31. And guys just couldn't hit a shot. And that seems like it's going to be a little bit of an MO for Duke this season. This was a tough one for the DK Nation pick as... I gave up Michigan State laying six. They were up 12 points with 3.01 remaining. And then Portland puts together an 11-0 run in the final about three or so minutes. Portland very nearly pulls this one off. 78-77. to Michigan State survives by the skin of their teeth. But, man, a lot of that happening right now this season in college basketball. Is you did have Ty Walker deliver for Michigan State 16 points. And A.J. Hogarth. 12 points, 9 assists, but had a lot of turnovers late for this Michigan State team. And credit where credit is due for Portland. This was a very good free throw shooting team last season. They went 12-12 in this game, 13-29 of from three-point range. And someone who typically doesn't see a lot of minutes, Alden Applewipe, he's been looked to for more minutes here recently. 16 points, 3 boards off the bench. And Tyler Robertson, 16 points, 9 assists. So very solid showing for Portland as they covered all three of the games that they played in the PK-85 Win but no cover for UCLA. They take down Bellarmine 81-60. What's really of note is that Jalen Clark was dealing with a little bit of an illness. He was out of the fold, so that is something that you did want to take a look at. And for UCLA, even without him, they had Jaime Alquez go 13-17 of 17 from the floor. Adam Bona, he went 6-7 of 7 from the field. They shot overall 60.8% as Alquez delivered 27 points. And for Tiger Campbell, 10 points, 10 assists. Meanwhile, for Bellarmine, what kept them live in this game, Ben Johnson came in off the bench and he delivered 20 points for the team. So good on Bellarmine for being able to get the cover. And good on Long Beach State, speaking of West Coast teams, being able to get a big win over Vermont, which they are struggling. They are, Vermont is, now 2-7 and seven to begin the season. 78-58 to 58 the finalists for Vermont, 6-25 from three. They were really hoping that Dylan Penn would be that main facilitator for the team. Limited to 15 minutes. Five points, two assists, 
Things are not going well for Verbot. Seven team turnovers in this game. Meanwhile, Long Beach State, Marcus Sionis, along with Joel Murray, they combined to go 5 of 11 from three-point range for 43 points. They were terrific. And you got 11 rebounds down low out of Lasani Traore. So that was a very good showing for them. Also, what they saw showing, Xavier. They don't get the win, but they get a cover against Gonzaga. 88-84. This game was just all over the place. As your Jimmy, 16 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. Seven turnovers, so he was doing it all in this game. And then Julian Schrother, 23 points, 9 rebounds, 5 of 8 from 3. Gonzaga really bailed out by a hot 3-point shooting night, 13 of 24 from Dixon. Xavier, they went 8 of 15. Got to give them credit. And I really like what I'm seeing out of Kobe Jones this season. 22 points, 7 assists, 7 boards. He kept the team alive in this game. And Jack Nunge, 25 points. He went 2 of 4 from 3. Gonzaga had a tough time matching up with him, so... A quality cover there. What's well, not quality right now is Florida State. They are 1-6 right now. Big giant frowny face. They lose in their home state to Nebraska, 75-58. to For Nebraska, they go 6-24 of from 3. It's not like they loaded up there. For Florida State, 3-21 of from 3. Matthew Cleveland, 17 points, 6 boards, but also had 5 turnovers. As overall, Florida State, 19 turnovers in this game. And for Nebraska... 20 points and 13 rebounds out of Derek Walker, who missed the first five or so games of the season. Looks like he might be a little bit of an X-factor for this team. Sienna has about a 14, 15-point underdog. They take down Seton Hall by kind of 60-55 to 55 outright. And for Sienna, they win this game shooting 2 of 16 from 3-point range. Where they really won this game was the fact that they played even up on the glass. And for Seton Hall, they came up snake eyes from 3 as well, 1 of 9 from 3. But more concerning than that, Seen all, 20 of 32 at the free throw line. You did have 15 points out of Elamir Dawes, but you also had four turnovers out of him. You had Terry Samuel down low, delivered 14 points, seven rebounds, went two of four at the charity strike. So want to see a little bit more there on Kadari Richmond. Three points, three turnovers, four assists. Not necessarily ideal there. And JVM McCollum, main scorer for Siena, he pumped in there, 14 points for them. Just really a sad, sad, and pathetic showing right now for Hartford. They were about a 21 to 22 point underdog, and they got destroyed by Colgate, 92 to 58. They're going down to the D3 level at the end of the year. They had their coach resign literally on the day that the season tipped off, and they allowed Colgate to go 12 to 23 from three point range. Colgate just a complete dismantling of them. Hopefully things get a little bit better for our good friends at Hartford. They did not deserve to have what is happening to them, but boy, man, that's rough. This was rough if you took James Madison. They were a favorite of right around 15 and a half points on the close. This got seamed up a little bit too much, and they lose outright to Valparaiso. 81 to 79 as for Valpo. Big game out of Ben Cricky. 23 points, 7 rebounds, and he also had the duo of Kobe King and Quinton Green. Combined for 34 points for Valparaiso. They did turn the ball over a little bit in this one as they had 19 turnovers. James Madison, they're very good at being able to do that. But for James Madison, they also went 30-42 at the free throw line. That was rather remarkable as the big reason why Valparaiso was able to hang in this game is that they were able to do a relatively solid job on the glass. They won that battle 41-32. We shall see if there's going to be more of that moving forward. Sanford. Not a good showing against Memphis. They lose by a count of 56 of 48 as Stanford goes 10 of 33 from three-point range. 
Harrison Ingram, 10 points, 6 boards. But for Memphis, they did a really nice job of just sucking the life out of Stanford. 15 turnovers in Stanford. They were on the wrong end of a 15-0 run towards the end of the first half. That propelled the victory for our good friends over there at Memphis. Boston College, they take down Rhode Island by a count of 53-49. to Not a bad effort from Rhode Island. They were able to get the cover as Boston College. They go 1-14 of from three-point range. They're still without Quentin Post down low, but TJ Bickerstaff has been able to do a nice job on the glass. He had 10 rebounds in this game, and Jaden Zachary, Wacky Zachy, was able to give the team 16 points, but he also had five turnovers in this game, and for Rhode Island, 10 of 17 at the charity stripe. They just really don't have a lot of offense outside of Ishmael Leggett, who he went just 3 of 15 from the floor, so Brayon Freeman, it looks like he's fully healthy, 21 points. That was very helpful, but got a Rhode Island team that right now very, very thin in terms of their overall production. This was something that was productive. Georgia, they take down East Tennessee State 62-47 to for Georgia. Not necessarily a great three-point shooting performance, but East Tennessee State looking like it's going to be a rough year for them. They did get 21 points out of Jalen Haynes, but for Georgia, they did a very solid job on glass winning that battle by kind of 38-28 to as you've got Matthew Moncrief, who was able to give the team 4-4, four and four, and more importantly, Kerry Oquendo. He was able to carry the team with 16 points, get them to the win and cover. Oklahoma out there in the great state of Florida. They take down Ole Miss by kind of 59 to 55. A little bit of credit where credit is due for how Ole Miss has been able to play without Deshaun Ruffin to begin the season. But for Ole Miss, big thing for them is that they just didn't necessarily do a great job on the glass. They lose a rebound battle 26 to 24. This was a very pedestrian, a very, very slow game as Grant Sherfield, 12 points. Five assists, that was just enough for the team. Now, with Ole Miss, they're seeing Amari Abraham starting to bust out as in the last three games, he has been able to score 26, 19, and 17. That was against Stanford, Siena, and now Oklahoma. So, love what you're seeing there. And Jamin Brakefield, 10 rebounds as well. So, good signs there. But for Oklahoma, they were able to do a very solid job down low. They forced some bad shots, and they were just efficient in general. Four of seven from three-point range in a game that was very, very strange. Speaking of overtimes, Northern Kentucky, they needed double overtime to take down Tennessee Tech, but they did take down Tennessee Tech, 85-77, to very nearly got the cover as you had just massive performances in this game. Chris Brandon, only 16 points, but 19 rebounds, and I believe that this is the highest watermark we've seen all season. Marcus Warwick, 45 points, he goes 18 of 31 from the floor, a complete and utter sizzler out of him. You're seeing Radford Sizzle as well. 69-53. They look to be trustworthy. They're able to get the job done against Elon Belmont. A nice road win of their own. They take down Georgia State 68-66 to as Georgia State. Right now looking pretty pedestrian on offense, but they were able to hang in there despite the fact that Belmont went 13-25 of from three-point range. They won the turnover battle. I do think that there's some brightness coming from Georgia State as you had a pair of guys in Dwan Odom and Jermaine Mann combined for 41 points, 16 boards, 6 assists, but for Belmont. They just shot so well from three-point range that allowed them to be able to get the job done in this one. UC San Diego, they go on the road. They take down Eastern Michigan. This by a count of 66-63. For Eastern Michigan, you had the Amani Bates show. Get slowed down just a little bit. 17 points, 13 rebounds. Still a relatively good showing, but for UC San Diego, how about Bryce Pope going in? He gave the team 20 points. That allowed them to get the W. Auburn, a scare against St. Louis, but they get the job done 65-60. to This is an Auburn team, by the way 
way that is playing really good defense. They've allowed 65 points or fewer in every one of their games thus far this season. The offense is leaving a little bit of something to be desired as Wendell Green is having to take all the shots for the team right now. 22 points on 14 shots, so not too bad there. And for St. Louis, you did have Javon Pickett come in 16 points, 5 boards. He was relatively solid in Yuri Collins. 10 points, 9 assists, but you had St. Louis go just 6 of 21 from 3-point range. And for Auburn, they had G&I Broom clean up with 8 blocks. Those blocks, they were the difference in the game. You saw Prairie View, a team that I liked, getting 20 points, be down one at the half against Oklahoma State, and then Oklahoma State, they not just restored order, they were able to get the cover, 78-53. to 53. It's always tough when you see some of those, as you had Avery Anderson chip in there, 16 points. Musa Cisse, another double-double, 13 points, 11 boards, 4 blocks. He's just so good on defense, and for Prairie View, just got plowed on the glass. They lost that battle 41-25. to 25. SMU, a team that has been off to a little bit of a rough start to the season, they take down Lamar 75 to 50. Lamar one D1 win over the last few seasons for them. And good to see SMU get Zarek Phillip online. He was able to give the team 19 points. You also saw Yale give Colorado a big scare on the road. Yale, a team that you want to take note of. That was their first loss of the season. 65 to 62, the final. Colorado, they're just all over the place. They have lost to Grambling and they have knocked off Tennessee this season. They had Tristan De Silva go off for 20 points, six rebounds. And for Yale, what they did a nice job of, they actually won the battle on glass, 39 to 33. But for Colorado, they were able to do a good job of protecting the ball. Eight turnovers for them. 14 for Yale, even though you had a very nice performance. 22 points. Uh, John Poladikas, who was able to not turn the ball over at all. He went 6 of 8 from 3-point range. The rest of the team, unfortunately, went 1 of 12. So that doomed in Yale. LSU got quite a scare as well. Wofford goes in, and they hang right in there. 78 to 75. LSU is able to break away and get it done thanks to Adam Miller going off for 26 points. But for Wofford, a team that has already lost a high point this season, a good high point team. They had a big game out of BJ Mack. 18 points, 9 boards, 4 assists for Big Mac. As you also had 19 points out of the kid from the great state of Wisconsin, Jackson Pavelski. Pavelski, 5 assists. And for Wofford, 13 turnovers in this game, a little bit higher than what they would like. And they actually won the rebound battle by kind of 31 to 26. So some good signs there from Wofford and good signs from UW Milwaukee. The most strange thing that we saw in terms of just a crazy result. UW Milwaukee was up on Boston U 32 to 13 at the half. They pull away. They get the win by a count of 67 to 46 as Boston U, a relatively solid mid-major out in the Patriot League, 3 of 26 from three-point range. Boy, was that not too terrific. Miami was pretty terrific, though. They take down Central Florida 66-64 as for Central Florida, they very nearly got bailed out by Darius Johnson. Coming in off the bench, he was averaging two points per game, and he went off for 24 big ones in this game. But for Miami, they just did a nice job in terms of being able to lock down. They got 15 turnovers. Now, they themselves turned the ball over 15 times with no Chad or Mir, 10 points, 13 rebounds, and Nigel Pack packed it in. 16 points, went 2 of 4 from 3-point range. With Central Florida not having a single guy really going out for a double-digit amount of rebounds, Miami was able to hold up on the glass, something they probably would not have done last season, and that got it done for them. Arizona State, thanks to a nice second half, they take down Elkhorn State by a count of 76-54, of and if you, like me, took the points with Elkhorn State, 
This game was relatively close as Elkhorn State was down by four points with about 12 minutes remaining and then things got completely away from them as Warren Washington, very solid day for Arizona State. Down low, you say able to give the team 14.7 rebounds and for Elkhorn State, they actually out-rebounded Arizona State 44-41 to as they were able to pull in their 19 offensive rebounds Problem is, you had a 1 of 14 shooting performance from Jeremiah Kendall, and all but one of those shots were two-pointers, so it's not like he was taking a bunch of crazy threes. They did get 19 points out of Kadrian Thorne, who he came off the bench. He was only averaging right around three points per contest. That was a nice find for them, but for Arizona State, they go just 6 of 25 from three-point range, but overcome that going 22 of 29 at the charity stripe, Florida National, it looks like they're playing up-tempo. They take down Eastern Washington, 90-79. to has been a really rough season for Eastern Washington. And then there are a few games that are in progress. I'm just not able to give you a lot on. Like, we've got the West Virginia versus Florida game raging on. And currently, as I do this, in the second half, West Virginia up 15 points on Florida. I actually really like what I'm seeing on this West Virginia team as they were able to get 13 points and six boards out of Trey Mitchell through the first half plus like three minutes. So I'm going to be taking note there. And there are still a few games for Sunday that need to be wrapped up, including Iowa State versus UConn. But most of the games are in the book. So let's take a look at what we've all gotten this season in college basketball. And what we are noticing, especially with a lot of these multi-team events, is that unders starting to take a little bit more precedent. 545 unders to 504 overs. So a 52% clip to the under thus far this season. Home underdogs, they continue to remain strong. 148, 114, and 5 against the spread with underdogs overall, covering 51.5% of games, 537, 507, and 19, though. I'm going to try to do a little bit more research on some of these teams that are 20-plus point favorites because they seem to be the one that are covering right now. And if you take a look at the last seven days of college basketball, right around 52% of games have gone under the total. And you've seen home teams really doing a solid job against the spread in the last seven days, 204, 178, and 9 covering 53.5% of games. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now, and that's what we got on Sunday. Now let's take a look at a team that, well, they've been leaving a little bit of something to be desired. That would be Villanova. We're going to be talking about them with our good friend John Jansen over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. Take a look at really the entire Philly college basketball scene, what we got out of the Phil Knight Invitational and some of the teams that have been impressing slash not impressing to begin the season. That's up next right here on Coast to Coast with myself, Gayub Spears, and now a part of the Family Hockey. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back here above Las Vegas for Kelsey Kelsey with myself, Greg Spears. And now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. We head out to the great city of Philadelphia, and that's where we find John Jansen. He does a terrific job over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, as he takes a look at a little bit of everything. For those of you guys that listen to my baseball podcast during the season, you can always catch him there. I know he does a great job. Looks like a wide variety of things over there at the gambler. And on top of that, he does a great job with some gaming reviews over at RP Gamer. So this man does a little bit of everything, and you're able to follow him at Jay Jansen, 34 altogether. And John, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And of course, for Villanova basketball, not a great start to the season, which I'm sure we'll get into. But other than that, yeah, everything going well. Yeah, what sort of a world am I living in where Villanova <laughs> is 2-5? and five? Now, I think it's very, very important to point out that they have played one of the toughest schedules in all of college basketball. There is no disputing that. But man, this just... Looks like a completely different team without Jay Wright. They certainly have been dealing with some injuries, but at the same time, even with the injuries, you just expect this team to be two and five and just giving up three pointers like they're a two for one sale. That's what's been really interesting. So they can't shoot from three, which they used to be a great three point shooting team. They really don't have any other than a freshman, Brendan Housen. Uh, he's been the only one. He had a really good game against Oregon on Sunday. But other than him sometimes coming off the bench, a few threes from Longino here and there, like none of these guys are really shooting that well. Caleb Daniels had a decent game, I think a few games ago in the Phil Knight Invitational. But other than that, he really hasn't been that great. I don't know what's going on with the three-point shooting. And maybe that changes if they, you know, whenever they get Justin Moore back, even though it's going to be a while and Cam Wintmore as well. But they just haven't been able to shoot. And yes, defensively, it's been really weird watching teams just rain down threes on them again, like Oregon just did on Sunday. So it's been an odd start to this season. Obviously, you're seeing guys like Mark Armstrong, Brendan Housen, and Brizzy, you know, and Joku has been playing a little bit. Guys that probably shouldn't be playing, but are because they're trying to figure out some answers while two of their, you know, best players are out for the moment. This team we knew lost some talent, a little bit thin, but it's been quite a rough start for the Kyle Neptune era. But the thing is, 
it's not really the best situation coming in because of those injuries. Yep, no question about it. The Cam Whitmore injury, in my opinion, is just so big because even when he does come back, being a true freshman, he's going to be playing a little bit of catch-up as well. So that is going to be on the horizon for Villanova. And just out of the opponents that you've seen Villanova play, have there been any that you've been really impressed slash maybe not so impressed by? Because that Temple game I thought was so intriguing. Temple has been all over the place and is another team that's out there in Philadelphia. They lost their opener against Wagner and then they're able to get the job done against Villanova ever since then. Temple has been a little bit more stable. I've actually liked what I've seen out of them. I think the Portland loss is probably the worst one out of them, if you were to ask me. But just in what you've seen out of Villanova, have there been certain teams that have been impressing slash shot impressing you among their losses? I will say a lot of their losses have been very close. And you said tough schedule. You know, a two-point loss to Michigan State, a two-point loss to Iowa State. And those two teams looked really impressive. Especially Michigan State, speaking of strong schedules, they have had a very tough schedule And they've gotten through it pretty much unscathed. You know, they ended up beating Oregon and Villanova. They beat Kentucky, close loss to Gonzaga. Now the Alabama loss. Alabama certainly looked better, but I know it's early, but to see Michigan State the way that they've looked against some of these top teams, that obviously has to be noteworthy and, you know, sticking out in my mind. But speaking of Temple, though, the Temple loss, that's the one that Villanova probably should have won that game. They were clearly the better team, I thought. Temple just, they have some talent and battles one of those guys that I really like, but... Aaron McKee just, I don't know, it seems disorganized at times. He's recruited pretty well there. And again, I think they have some talent, but does some small things coaching-wise that I'm not so sure you know, how good of a coach he actually is. Again, he's trying to build a program up, and that's really you know number one of importance, and he's doing that to a certain extent. But as a coach, though, I've been really unimpressed with him over at Temple. But again, they've been a little bit more stable because they're able to bring in some pretty good talent. But out of all the teams I've been impressed with most really was Michigan State because they've been playing such this tough schedule so far, and then to continue to win and beat Villanova the way that they did, it's truly impressive the start that they've had because of the opponents that they've played. Yeah, and Michigan State, they had a little bit of a rough go of it to begin with against Portland, and then they were able to stabilize from there on Sunday as well. So we shall see about Michigan State, a team that lost by one against Gonzaga, and they were able to get that thrilling double overtime win against Kentucky as well. as John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me right here on the podcast. And just out of everything that we saw out of the PK Invitational, because that's the uh, tournament that Villanova was in, I thought that was really impressive. We saw that four-overtime game in Alabama versus North Carolina. That, no doubt, was interesting. You saw up close and in person Oregon, along with Iowa State, as those teams They were slugging it out as well. So just so much high-quality basketball in general. But I mean, when I take a look at that Alabama versus North Carolina game, I do think that we could potentially be seeing something like a look ahead to a Sweet 16, an Elite 8 sort of game. Because I recognize that North Carolina, probably they were a little bit overrated coming into the season now that we've got a little bit of a sample size with them being that number one team. But they still look very solid. And more than anything else, I'm impressed by what I've seen out of Alabama, being able to have the grit to get that four-overtime win, to me, really stood out. Yeah, Alabama certainly, North Carolina's defense, a ton of problems. So we'll see if that continues because if they keep up letting up points the way that they have, I mean, 103, I know it's four overtimes and all of that, but still defensively, they have just been absolutely awful. Still, look, a lot of talent there. Baycott had a really good game against Alabama. So as long as he's playing well, Caleb Love had 34 points. Their stars are playing well, and especially in that Alabama game, but defensively, they got some issues. 
I think really the team that's the most impressive, UConn looks scary good. They are 20th in the country right now. I imagine they are going to continue to move up. They beat Alabama pretty good. Uh, Sonogo has looked absolutely fantastic for them so far this season. That's a team that's just continuing to get better and better under Dan Hurley. And this might be his best team. And they might be a team that we're looking at, you know, towards the end, uh, if we're going to look at the March Madness. They're a team that, you know, I think once the brackets are out and we see, you know, paths for teams, that's a team everybody's going to want to be looking at and seeing if there is a path for them to get to an, a Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Because that team has a ton of talent we know from last year moving over to this year. And they have looked every bit of it, and they've looked even more improved. Hurley's done a fantastic job there, and I think UConn's really, to me, been one of the most impressive teams in the country so far. Oh, I totally agree with you. When they've been laying like 30 points, they have been dump-trucking every single one of those teams. We do not know how Iowa State versus UConn went since that was the very late game that we were seeing on Sunday. But, man, UConn looking like a bulldozer on that team that they were playing in Iowa State. We haven't really talked about them as well. I'm just so impressed by this defense. I don't know how far it's going to take them, but the job that TJ Otzelberger has done in two seasons at Iowa State, I really yeah. think needs to be applauded. Because keep in mind, Iowa State, prior to him getting there, they had won two games at 2020-21 season. They both came against SWAC opponents. They went winless within the conference. And he got two wins in the NCAA tournament. In his first year there, looks like Iowa State is in for another very big year. They lose a lot of their players due to transfer. That's a team that I'm not sure what you saw in that game against Villanova. No question about it. Villanova was very sloppy in terms of their defense. But Iowa State, whether it was going to be against Villanova, Gonzaga, or if it was going to be against Mississippi Valley State, it didn't matter the opponent. Iowa State was going to hold them down. This defense is for real. Yeah, they are. It is the turnaround, and it's great to point that out because they were horrible i mean they were very i i didn't know if that program was going to recover quickly from that and not only have they recovered because i remember last year they were coming on and it was like well iowa states you know i think for a time where i was undefeated and winning all these games and nobody knew how it was happening but for them to kind of repeat this again and to start off as well as they have and to beat north carolina now the villanova game was very close and I know Iowa State probably could have lost that game. And Villanova has you know, been coming back in games. It's been all season long. Villanova gets down early and ends up coming back. But look, Holmes has been incredible for them. 17 points so far this season. That's what's kind of interesting, too, is they had guards transfer out. And they really didn't have many guards, I thought, last year. And now, all of a sudden, uh, they get the Holmes playing the way that he is. I've been really impressed and especially impressed with the guard play from them because I thought that was one of their bigger issues, I would say, from a couple of years ago. Yep, it's been a Iowa State team that has really been trending upward ever since we saw TJ Altsaberger get there. We shall see if he's able to continue that as John Jansen does great work over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. He is joining me on the podcast. And John, just in terms of takeaways, because we've been talking a lot about these teams that we're playing out there in Portland has there been a few teams that we have not yet mentioned that you've either been impressed by this season or there are teams that are just leaving a little bit of something to be desired? It could be a straight-up perspective. It could be a little bit more of against-the-spread perspective because I think now three weeks into the college basketball season, we're getting a good litmus test on some of these teams. It's not an end-all, be-all, but certainly a team that I was mentioning before in North Carolina, they're certainly not looking like a number-one team. Villanova went into the season in the top 25. I think that we are both in agreement 
they're not living up to necessarily that. But no. there have been a few teams that we have not mentioned that you've either been impressed slash unimpressed by to begin the season. Yeah, very. Gonzaga has looked really unimpressive. Drew Timmy's been fine. 20 points per game is great. But it's the guard play that has stunned me. And we're talking about one of the guards from Iowa State that's transferred. Razier Bolton, who's starting again for Gonzaga, they can't guard anybody on the perimeter. Absolutely no one. And that's not good enough because they don't have a Jalen Suggs type player who's a really good athlete that can score for them very consistently. You know, they can't keep up in games if guards, you know, like Texas did, are absolutely boat racing them. What Gonzaga really needed and they got with Jalen Suggs was, you know, good athletic guards. And now they don't have that anymore. And that was a little bit of an issue last year. I think it's a big time shoe this year. And their perimeter defense has been probably one of the more eye-opening, like, oh, wow, Gonzaga could be in trouble. Good program. They're going to win a lot of games. But this is not a Gonzaga team that's that's going to be nearly as dominant as they have been in the past. And I don't know if they go very far in the tournament because if you're going to ask me what's a big thing that I think teams need going into the tournament, it's good guard play. And Gonzaga just doesn't have it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's been a little bit disappointing to see what we've gotten out of Gonzaga. We're doing this before the Xavier game, but man, that is a team that it's going to be very interesting to take a look at them. And then when it comes to some of those Philly teams as well, it's been very impressive to take a look at what we've gotten out there because I know that we were talking about Temple a little bit. Penn has been a team that has been incredibly inconsistent to begin this season. Heck, I think that LaSalle is one of those teams that we don't know what to make out of as well. So You're around a lot of interesting basketball, John. I know that you do a great job of covering just all of it. You cover the Philadelphia 76ers. I know that in terms of the MLS, the Philadelphia Union, they were having their run. I mentioned it before with the baseball podcast. Do a great job taking a look at the Phillies and really all aspects of baseball as well. And when that podcast is up and running, I know that you join me for that as well. So love the good people at home. Know what's all on tap for you. And now people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can follow me at jjansen34 on Twitter, foxphlgambler.com uh, is where you can find the website, at foxphlgambler on Twitter. Also find us on the iHeartRadio app as well. A lot of great shows going on over there. Embrace for Winnings is a podcast uh, we're going to be doing over at The Gambler. The DraftKings is going to have national, so big things coming up for that as well that we just announced. But yeah, check out everything over at foxphlgambler, 102.5 FM if you're in Philadelphia and 1480 AM. Always stream us on the iHeartRadio app and check out Villanova Basketball. We do a lot of stuff with them, so uh, we cover their games. We have their games, so uh, you can check out Villanova Basketball as well over there on the Villanova Sports Radio Network. Search that up on the iHeart app as well. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because if you weren't going to, I was going to because I know <laughs> that you guys were doing a great job covering the PK Invitational that we were seeing over the weekend out there in lovely Port and all the action that we saw from Villanova and just so many great teams out in that tournament. It was fun to be able to take a look at it. And John, he does a great job taking a look at all aspects of sports and sports betting and it's always great to be able to get them both on this podcast and also my baseball podcast, Baseball Betting Show, and that's in season as well. So big thanks to John for joining me on Coast Coast Heaps, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Monday as we hit some bank shots. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for Ghost to Ghost Soup with myself, Greg Hoops Pierce, and now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get John Jansen aboard. He does great work over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. Certainly has not been the rosiest times for Villanova, but all in all, it's been a lot of fun to take a look at everything that we've been getting this college basketball season. John does a great job covering just a tad bit of everything over there at the Gambler, a place in Philadelphia that has seen lots of great sports with pretty much everything aside for basketball, withholding there, soccer, football, heck, hockey. The Philadelphia Flyers got off to a little bit of an unexpected start to the season. You're able to go down the list, the basketball, leaving a little bit of something to be desired, but John never leaves anything to be desired because he always delivers. Big thanks, Sam, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Monday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gunit underscore 81. 
going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation or this is where we go with the games with three digits on the rotation first and then the games with six digits those are going to be at the bottom and the games with six digits those are just games that involve smaller conferences Southland is on there Patriot League I'm pretty sure that you've also got the SWAC and the Big South so those should be the conferences that get covered at the bottom so let us begin with the ACC Big Ten Challenge 801, 802 on the betting board. It is Minnesota and the state with the smallest drinks in the union. It's the road to face off against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, a 13.5 point favorite in your total on this game. It is 128.5 and with Virginia Tech, set them as a 12.5 point favorite. I'm going to be one to take the points. You got a Virginia Tech team that they're always one of the slower teams in all of college basketball. No question about it. They're going to have the most efficient player out there on the floor in Justin Mutz. Mutz just does everything for this team as he's been able to give the team 9 rebounds, 12 points, 4 assists, a steal per game. Hasn't necessarily shot a great from 3-point range. Virginia Tech overall shooting about 35.5% from 3, but he's capable of that. And what is really impressive about Virginia Tech, they only turned the ball over 8 times, but I think we're going to see a different Minnesota team now that they've got back in the fold Jamison Battle. He has played in two games. They combined 28 points and 12 rebounds in those two contests. They were really having to dumpster dive to be able to find some production out of someone like a Trace and Thomas and guys like that. So being able to get him back is big because he pairs very well with Austin Garcia, who's six foot eleven. He's able to pop threes at about a 34% clip, 16 points, six half boards. These two guys are going to dominate down low. You've got your main facilitator in Tavon Cooper, 10 points, seven assists out of him. Now, the real question is, what are you going to be able to get out of the rest of the backcourt? They were dealing with an injury to Braden Carrington, who was a little bit banged up. He returned in that Southern California tournament, and he had a combined 12 rebounds, 24 points in those two games. And then for Virginia Tech, you've got two guys that have really stepped up this season in bigger roles in Sean Padula along with Dante Maddox. Padula, 17 points, 4 assists. Maddox, 11 points per contest. These two guys both shot above 45% from three this season. They've regressed a little bit, but Grant Basile has really been able to help out this team. He's six foot 11, 15 points, five board shooting, right around 44% from three. But Minnesota, they're capable of doing a solid job of being able to guard the three-point arc. I think that they're going to be able to do their part here to be able to keep this total under Minnesota. A solid defensive team, a not-so-great offensive team, and two teams that play very slowly. So my total at 126 half. I'm diving under when Virginia Tech could only make them a 12.5 point favorite. So taking 13 or more here with the Golden Gophers. 803-804 on the betting board. Maris is going to be playing with Columbia. Columbia is an underdog of six points, and your total is anywhere between 138.5 and 140. And with Columbia, I set them as a 7.5-point underdog. I'm going to be willing to lay it with Maris. Maris has done a great job going to the non-D1 level and bringing in players via the transfer portal, and that's just really not an option for Columbia because they do have those strict academic standards. As a result, for Columbia, you've got Geronimo Rubio de la Rosa, who's trying to do everything. 14 points, 6 boards, 2 assists, shooting 34.5% from three-point range. Having on the full one of your main pieces from last season and Liam Murphy has not helped out this team but been able to get a little bit of production out of Blair Thompson. He comes in as a top 300 or so recruit right around 7.5 points per contest. Been able to do an okay job there shooting 34.5% from three but for Columbia, not a lot of efficiency. They turn the ball over 15.5 times per game. They're shooting 68% at the free throw line. And for Maris, one of those guys that have come in from the non-D1 level and Patrick Gardner has been terrific. 
leading the team in pretty much every category. 17 points, 8 boards, 1.2 steals per game. Maris as a whole, they're leaving something to be desired in terms of 3-point shooting. Shooting about 32.5% from 3-point range, but Anthony Cooper has come in and he's been able to do a great job. He's been able to shoot about 50% from 3-point range. He is a little bit banged up, so you do want to be noting that he missed the team's game against Bucknell, but without him, Maris was still able to get the job done in that game, scoring 60 points in an overtime game, by the way, and Got to feel like Cam Ferris is going to be able to pick it up last season at Robert Moore. Shot 40% for three with nine points per game. Shooting just 25% from distance this season. But having Stefan Ingo come in after he was averaging two and a half blocks per game at Maine should allow this Maris team to be able to win the battle down low with Colombia other than Rubio de la Rosa. You don't have anyone that's giving you four and a half rebounds per game. So big time sore spot there. As a result, Maris is a seven and a half point favorite. Maris has really been playing slow and under control. You've got a Columbia team that they're looking to push tempo a little bit more, but also with Columbia, not a lot of efficiency with this team on offense. It's set by total 135 dive and under and one will lay up to seven with Maris. 805, 806 on the betting board. It is Tulane, and they're going to be playing us to Louisiana Monroe. Monroe is an 18 to an 18 and a half point underdog, and your total on scheme is saying between 142 and a half and 144 and I did make my total 147.5, so I'm going to be willing to go over in this spot. You've got a Louisiana Monroe team that ranks currently in the bottom 75 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Now, offense has not necessarily been too efficient, but I think that they hold in this game because I do think that they're going to get a nice game out of Tariq LaCour. Two seasons ago, I was at South Alabama, put up some monster numbers, 13.5 points, Five boards, three assists, shot in the mid-30s from three-point range, just was really glued to the bench at UAB last season, and they're going up against a Tulane bunch that they are all sorts of banged up right now as Jalen Cook missed the back half of the team's multi-team event last week, so that has been hurting them a little bit. They've also been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Jaden Coleman. Coleman, a little bit more of a reserve piece that averaged six and a half points per game last season, but for a Tulane team that didn't have a lot of depth to start with, that does hurt them. I do think that you could be getting one of these guys back full, but you're probably going to be missing at least one of them. Now, they have been able to get very good production out of Cullen Holloway. He comes in after last season. He was a starter at Georgetown, and able to deliver 16 points, 4.5 boards, shooting over 40% from 3-point range. Jalen Forbes, 16.5 points, 2.5 steals. He and Kevin Cross have been able to combine for about 34 points per game. So these guys are doing a great job as a two-headed monster, but for Louisiana Monroe, you've got Nika, and I cannot pronounce his last name, but he's a six foot eight, little bit of a combo player, and has been able to do a solid job down low for this team, giving them right around three and a half, four rebounds per game as a six foot eight bit of a combo player. He's been able to shoot in the mid thirties from three point range, delivering nine point eight points per game, and then they bring in Jamari Blackman. When he was at North Alabama, he was able to be a double figure scorer this season. He's been able to deliver ten and a half points, shooting forty four percent from three. He's been able to give out a little bit of facilitation. Monroe is able to generate ten steals per game, so they're able to do a solid job in offense. They're a team that is not shy to go a little bit more up-tempo. Same for Tulane. Tulane leaves a little bit of something to be desired on defense. Monroe may leave a lot of bit of something to be desired on defense. As a result, semi-total 147.5. Looking at the over of Tulane, claiming them a 17-point favorite. They're a little bit banged up, and Monroe does have a very good player in LaCour that I think is going to be able to keep them in the game, so taking the points and the over. 807-808 on the betting board. Nebraska, Omaha, set hike is on the road against Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a favorite of between 24 and a half and 25 points, and between 129 and 130 is your total. And we're going to go ahead and make this one the DK Nation pick, as I'm going to be taking a look at the over with Nebraska Omaha. 
This team last season was in the bottom five nationally in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Now, the big fear is that you're just not going to have Omaha necessarily live up to their end of the bargain in terms of the subtle because you do have a Mississippi State squad that they are not necessarily great from three-point range. You're shooting about 30% from distance, but you've got so many guys that are able to put the ball in the basket as they bring in from Oregon State to Sean Davis, who's never been a good three-point shooter, but last season was able to give the team overall 11 points per game. Towards back half of the season, he was tremendous, so in Tolu Smith, about about 15.5 points, 11 rebounds per game. They're going up against an Omaha team that they ranked in the bottom five nationally in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. This team has been just absolutely terrible on that front, but they do have a guy in Frankie Fiddler who right now this season is averaging 11 points, 5.5 boards. Got an Omaha team that they shoot about 80% of the free throw line. Now, they're going to give the ball away 15 turnovers per game. That should lead to some fast break buckets, and they're getting a little bit more down low. And Nicole Otop, he comes in from Nebraska, 6'5", a little bit of a shifty player. Eight points, five boards per contest. Certainly, this is a Omaha team that is leaving quite a bit of something to be desired on the defensive side of things as they have allowed at least 70 points in all but one of their games as far this season. Giving up on average against power conference teams right in the neighborhood of about 87 points per game. So, Mississippi State should really be able to run this thing up. And they do have quite a few guys on the backcourt that I think are going to be able to get going. Like Shaquille Moore is shooting 16.5% from three. Not that he's going to be shooting like 70% when it's all said and done. But I certainly do think that he's going to get a little bit more warm for this team. And on the Omaha side of things, Mark Elson to be able to give the team 11.5 points per game, 5 rebounds. I think that Omaha is starting to get back to sort of their roots where they were playing very, very up-tempo. This is not a squad that is playing really a whole heck of a lot of defense. Mississippi State has been very good on defense, but I think that with so many fast-flowing buckets that they are going to be able to put up a big number in this spot, which is why I did set my total at 135. DK Nation pick, it is on this total over, and with Mississippi State, set them as a 27-point favorite, one to late here as well. 809, 8-10 on the betting board, it is Arkansas. They're going to be playing us at Troy. Troy is an underdog of anywhere between 18 and 18 and a half points, and your total on this game, it's 140 to 140 and a half. It's on my total at 147 and a half. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over with this Troy team. It's really been about Duke Miles and what he's been able to do in the backcourt. He's been able to deliver 14 points per game on 47% three-point shooting. Last season had right around two and a half seals per game. Hasn't necessarily done as much of that this season. That's because you've got Nelson Phillips doing it all. 13.5 points, six boards, three steals, two and a half assists, shooting in the low to mid-30s from three-point range. Troy's hole, they shoot 36% from three and have really cut down on their turnovers. Only about 11.5 turnovers per game, while they still have been able to get about 11 steals per game. They could really use Darius McNeil back the full. He's only played in one game thus far this season, someone that began his career at Cal, but you've had Zay Williams be able to give the team six and a half rebounds per game. That's going to be tough against an Arkansas team that they've got Trayvon Brazil, who's just so versatile at six foot ten, thirteen and a half point seven half board, shooting forty two percent from three point range. Arkansas, just so many great athletes. I do not think we are going to be seeing Nick Smith in this game, but we are most likely going to be seeing one Anthony Black and. Over in Maui, he had 15-plus points in each out of those three games. He looked very, very good, and he had 13 assists in those three games as well. So he's really coming into his own. Ricky Council, who comes in from Wichita State, has went in to take over Mo for the team. 19 points, 3.5 assists, 3 rebounds, 
two steals. He has been amazing. In Arkansas, they're only shooting about 30% from three-point range, but as we know, they run it and gun it. They get 11 steals per contest. That creates easy buckets on the other end. You've got the Mitchell brothers. We're combining for about 9.5 points, 7 boards. These guys have good versatility, but I do think that Troy is going to be able to hold in there. They're going to be outgunned down low, but someone like a Khalif Punter is able to give you 9.5 points, 2.5 assists. It's a free-flowing offense. Troy, I think, is going to be able to force Arkansas into some turnovers, and I do think that that's going to lead to some fast-break buckets buckets on both ends. So this is a circumstance where I did set Arkansas as a favorite of 17 points and I made my total 147.5 so I'm also going to be taking a look at this total over 811-812 on the betting board. Southeast Missouri State, they're going to be on the road playing against UW-Milwaukee. UW-Milwaukee, a one and a half point favorite with a total of 145. I had UW initially going into the day as a two-point favorite. I was willing to put them up to a three-point favorite in this circumstance. I actually really like what I'm seeing out of Bart Lundy and company, they were able to get a complete thrashing of Boston U yesterday. And feels like UW-Milwaukee is able to win in a wide variety of ways. They get 87 points up on UC Davis, a very, very lucky win for them. And then they hold Boston U yesterday to 46 points. So I like the way that this team is coming around. And the big key for this team, having B.J. Freeman be a little bit more than just a score. He was able to have seven rebounds in the game yesterday against Boston U. Entered in the day with 12.5 points. Three and a half rebounds per game. So getting him a little bit more versatile, I think that that is very big for this team. Been able to get some good production as well out of some of the more lesser players like an Ahmad Rand. He comes in, he's been able to give the team about 10 points per contest. Began his career at Oregon State. Six foot eight, little bit of a combo player that's able to shoot some threes. That is going to be able to help this team moving forward. And I think that it's very important that you get Markeith Browning the second going as he's been able to give the team right in the neighborhood above eight or so points per game. He's been the main facilitator and UW-Milwaukee cutting down on a few of those turnovers. That's going to be very important because they were entered into the day with right around 16 or so turnovers per game. Now they're playing against a Southeast Missouri State team that would look to play a little bit more up-tempo, but this is pretty much game number three in three days for all these teams. And for Southeast Missouri State, they don't necessarily generate a bunch of turnovers. They've been able to do a great job down low with Kobe Clark, though. He's able to give the team eight points, 11 rebounds per game. Phillip Russell, along with Chris Harris, are combining for about 26 points, nine boards, six and a half assists. You've got Russell shooting 34% from three-point range as well. And then when it comes to what you've been able to get down low, other than Clark, it hasn't necessarily been too great, but you do have Josh Early. He's been very early to the party with being able to give the team about six rebounds per game, but him being out of the fold and him not really playing in this multi-team event, that does leave a little bit of a hole for this Southeast Missouri State team. I do think that as a result, we are going to see things throttle down a little bit more. Set my toe at 140. You've got tired legs. They're taking hold, and I do think that that's going to bode a little bit better for AW Milwaukee team that's still sort of finding themselves, but because they are finding themselves, they're a little bit more adapted to change. I'm willing to lay up to three here with UW Milwaukee playing the points. Set my total at a 140, so diving under. 813, 814 on the betting board. It is Pittsburgh. They're on the road facing off against Northwestern. Northwestern, a 9.5 point favorite with your total between 126.5 and 127. And with Pittsburgh, I set them as an underdog of 7.5 points. I'm going to be willing to take the points. Now with Pittsburgh, certainly has been a bit of a rough start to the season for them to say the least, but you do have back in the fold the main guy from last season in John Hughley. Hughley, when he's been out there on the court this season, 13 points, 5.5 boards, but has missed 
three entire games this season. I think that he was out for part of another one as well. This for our Pittsburgh team that only shooting about 30% from three-point range. They need to get Craig Elliott online. Elliott, while he was at Marquette, was a career about 40% three-point shooter thus far this season. Eight points, four boards, but it's really been about Jamarius Burton along with Blake Hinson. These two guys are combining for 30.7 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, two and a half steals per game. Really like what you've got out of both of these guys with Hinson being more around six foot seven. And then for Northwestern, they're playing some very good defense right now. You take a look at what they did in their recent multi-team event. They give up 52 points or fewer in each of the previous three games and four out of the last five. I do think that a little bit of it is the competition that they're playing as well. But I do think that with Northwestern, we're probably going to be finding a little bit more, shall we say, weakness in terms of defense. But they've got a very special guard in Boo Booey. 13 points, four boards, four assists. He's been shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range. Northwestern as a whole, they're only shooting 39% from the floor, but they've had Robbie Barron do a nice job down low. Seven boards, 10.5 points per game. Ty Berry has been very solid as well. 11 points, six rebounds per game. He's shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range. Depth is going to be an issue for the team moving forward, but Northwestern, they never really play at a breakneck pace. You do have Chase Odish, who's looked better this year than he did last year, where he was shooting right around 25% from three-point range. And then for Pittsburgh, it feels like Nelly Cummings, as the days go along, he's getting more and more used to the offense. He's been able to cut down on the turnovers, two or fewer in each of the previous three games. After that was a little bit of an issue, currently averaging eight points, four assists. I do think that it's going to be a bit more of a low-scoring game, but I do think that Pittsburgh looking to push Temple a little bit more because now they've got a bit more of a prolific backcourt. I do think that Northwestern going to start to give up more points as they go up against better and better competition, and I do think that they get it done, but I think that this is the sort of game in which you're going to have a bit of late game following Northwestern. Saw it at the free line, set them as a 7.5-point favorite. Going to be willing to lay it here. Also did make my total a 132.5, so I am also going to be taking a look at this total over 815-816. On the board, it is Washington. They play out to Seattle. Seattle is an underdog of 5.5 points, and your total on this game and between 138.5 and 139.5 with Washington. I did make them a favorite of 3.5 points, so I'm going to be looking to take 5-plus here with Seattle. Seattle, they do lose one of their main guys in Darian Trammell from last season, but Cam Tyson along with Riley Grigsby, these are a pair of guys that last season, they were combining for about 32, 33 points per game, and Tyson, when he's been out there, has been able to average 28 points per game. They rested them in their last game against a non-D1 team. I'm thinking that that was a little bit precautionary. It sounds like he should be good to go in this one, so that's going to be big because with this Washington team, they're going to have the size of edge down low. You've got Emeka Odeni, who for Seattle is able to give you right around five or so rebounds per contest, but Franek Kapadog has been a very good down low for Washington. He's been able to give the team six and a half boards, nine and a half points per game, just under two blocks per contest. And with Washington, you just have a lot of size in general as they bring in someone who stands seven foot one, was playing over at Fresno State last season as well, and Braxton Maya. He's been able to give the team six rebounds per game. Keon Brooks, good versatility, 15 points, seven and a half boards. The thing for Washington is they don't necessarily do the best job of being able to get good shots. They're shooting about 33.5% from three-point range. Jamal Bay has been able to shoot about 33% from three, nine points per contest. And Kenyon Menefield, He's been able to do a solid job with right around 12 points per game as well. But for Seattle, I do think that 
they're going to be able to hold in this game because you've been able to get a lot recently out of a little bit of a backup guard in Alex Schumacher. They've needed him because Grigsby has been a little bit banged up, hasn't necessarily been performing up to snuff this season, and this is someone in Schumacher who's been able to give the team nine plus points in four of the last five games, doing out three and a half assists, right around five rebounds per game. That has been rock solid, and for Grigsby, he's probably going to be out of the fold in this game. He's been out the last few games, and the team has been actually just fine without him, so I take a look at the circumstance. I do think that Seattle's going to be able to hold in there. Backcourt is the advantage of Seattle. The frontcourt is the advantage of Washington. I do think that you're going to get a little bit more of a defense-oriented game, especially with Washington now playing at one of the slower temples in all of college basketball. Semi-12, 135 and a half, diving under and with Washington. Going to make them a three and a half point favorite, so taking the points. 817-818 on the board. It is Nevada. They're going to be playing us to Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State is an underdog of two and a half points with your total on this game, 130 and a half. Sam Houston State, I made them the one-point favorite. I'm going to be taking Sam Houston State on the money line, a team that's already knocked off Utah and Oklahoma on the road, and for Nevada, credit where credit is due. They lost quite a bit of their backcourt from last season. Desmond Cambridge, he's out of the fold along with Grant Shurfield, and Shurfield is actually a guy that Sam Houston State beat while he was over at Oklahoma, so give a little bit of credit there to Sam Houston State as for the Bearcats, they just do a great job with their defense. They completely stifle and they suck the life out of you. They've been one of the best teams in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage all season long. Nevada's actually done a great job of guarding the arc as well. And for Sam used to say, really is a case in which a hole is greater than the sum of its parts. Right now, you've got seven different guys. They're giving you at least six points per game and eight different guys giving you at least 5.8 points per contest. Quad Grant, the former D2 All-American at West Texas, he has been really the main guy for them. 13 points, four and a half boards, four and a half assists, two seals per contest while shooting 43% from three-point range, but you get it from someone like a Kalu Azigu, who's been able to give you five rebounds per game. EBN is career at Kansas State. Dante Powers, eight and a half points, three boards, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. It's a Sam Houston State that just all season long, they bring their lunch pail and they go to work. They have given up 55 points or fewer in every one of their contests this season. Now, Nevada going to be a little bit of a different test. Nevada's a little bit of a chameleon. You need them to play slowly like they did against Grand Canyon, giving up 46 points. Against Akron, giving up 58 points. They're able to do so. If you need them to play up-tempo like the 87 points that they put up against Kansas State, they're able to do that too. As Jared Lucas, who comes in from Oregon State, 17 points per contest, shooting 39% from three and overall. Nevada's been able to shoot 37.5% from distance. They're turning the ball over just 11.5 times per game. They don't necessarily generate a bunch of steals, but they've got a bunch of nice, versatile parts like a Will Baker. He's 7 feet tall. Shoots in the mid-30s from 3-point range. 13 points, 5 rebounds per game. Keenan Blackshear, about 6.5 boards per game. And then he's got a nice 6'6", little bit of a shifty freshman in Darian Williams, who's been able to contribute 8.5 points, 7.3 rebounds per game. Love what he's been able to do down low. He's also given the team 3-plus assists in 3 out of his last 5 games, and 2-plus seals in 4 out of the last 5 as well. Nevada's a very well-rounded group, but I absolutely love the way that Sam Houston State has been able to come together. They do a very good job on the glass as well, and for Sam Houston State, generating 11 steals per game with having a Nevada team that really, other than Blackshear, you don't have a lot in terms of being able to facilitate a Blackshear, turn the ball for three and a half times per game. I think that he's going to have a tough time against a Sam Houston State defense that was able to take it to two power conference teams already. So, I did set Sam Houston State as a one-point favorite. We'll take them 
on the money line. I do think that Nevada's going to look to push the tempo a little bit more, and I do think we're going to get some late game following. Semi total 133.5, so looking over as well. This is the last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we hit the extra games, 819-820 on the board. Cal Poly, they're on the road facing off against Pacific. Pacific is a favorite of six points with a total between 141 and 141.5, and, and for Pacific, set them as an 11-point favorite. Pacific only covered four games all of last season. They're up to three covers, and I think that they're going to get cover number four in this game because they're going up against a Cal Poly team that has Alamami Karama, who's at six foot eight, has been able to give the team 14 points, five boards per contest, and is able to shoot 33% from three-point range, but with Cal Poly, their guard play is just so sloppy right now. They are turning the ball over about 16 times for contest. They shoot 67% at the free throw line, been able to get good production out of someone like a Trevin Taylor, 11 points, six boards per game. He shoots... About 30% from three-point range. Chance Hunter, who comes in from Long Beach State, nine and a half points, three and a half boards. But really, other than Karama and Taylor, you don't have anyone that's giving you more than four boards per contest down low. That means that Pacific, even though they don't necessarily do a great job on the glass, won't be outgunned there. And for Pacific, they just have better guards in this game. You bring in a pair of guys from the power conference level, and Tyler Beard from Georgetown and Donovan Williams from Oklahoma State. These two guys are combined for a little bit over 25 points, eight boards per game with Beardy's been able to shoot 42% from three-point range. Has really been a main facilitator for a Pacific team that has been playing a lot of isolation with Jordan and Ivy Curry. Being that main scorer coming in from UT San Antonio. The Meet Meet Roadrunner, 16.5 points per game. Luke Andovich, he's been a career about 40% three-point shooter. He's been able to chip in there 10 points per game. Judson Martindale, who comes in from Holy Cross, he's able to give you about five points per game as well. Just got a lot of good guards on this team. Been able to get a little bit more down low as well. And it's someone that hasn't been scoring it a lot, but has been able to haul in there right around four, four and a half rebounds per game. And Minnesota transfer Sam Freeman. So I like the way that Pacific has been able to come along. Cal Poly, they're just turning the ball over a ton. Pacific has really been pushing the tempo a little bit more for Cal Poly, really, other than their game against Idaho. Very much a pedestrian offense. As a matter of fact, they only scored 48 points against San Francisco when they played against them, 43 against Sanford. So it's been a rough offense, to say the least. Set my total at 139 as a result, looking under with Pacific. Made them an 11 point favorite. Could to be willing to lay it here. Now we hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. This starts with 306 609, 306 610. Boston U and UC Davis are going to be doing battle from the great city of Milwaukee. No numbers up on this game, but I did say UC Davis as a two point favorite. I made this total 135. Both of these teams played yesterday, which is why there are no numbers up on this game. I do think that you're going to see a better showing out of Boston U than we saw yesterday. As yesterday, Boston U got completely smoked by UW Milwaukee by kind of 67 to 46, and they had 13 points in the first half. Walter White, he had 12 points, and he's really been the main guy for Boston U this far this season. He's averaging 13 and a half points. He's able to give you five and a half boards. Someone that has been an okay three-point shooter throughout his career. Last year shot 38% from three. I think that that might have been just a little bit over his skis in general, but you need more down low. You got Malcolm Chemezi who's been able to haul in there about three and a half, four rebounds per game. Nevin Zink is able to give you four boards, but they're really missing one of those guys, like a Suckmail Mathon, who was able to average a double-double last season. And for UC Davis, Davis, not necessarily ideal size as Elijah Pepper is six foot four. He's having to do it all for this team, and he's been doing a very good job of it. 21 and a half points, six boards, shooting 40% from three-point range. He gives the team a seal and a half per game, so he has been terrific. But you need a little bit more out of some like Christian Anigwe, who's been able to hold in there five and a half boards, 14 points per game, and 
He's been able to get a little bit of help, our good friend Pepper, in the form of Ty Johnson, who has been able to give the team 16.5 points. He's hauling in there right around 5.5 boards, shooting about 44.5% from three, but UC Davis, not necessarily ideal size. They're shooting as a collective just below 40% from three-point range, but turnovers are an issue with them. 14 turnovers per game. They're going up against the Boston U team that they're one of the more buckled down and they're one of the more controlled teams in college basketball. They're generating just under 10 seals per game. They're going to turn the ball over about 10, 10 and a half times for contest as well. So I do think the Boston U could be able to get things slowed down. I do think that in the end, UC Davis just has a little bit more talent, but could only set UC Davis as a two-point favorite on the central court. So one and a half or less willing to lay with UC Davis, two and a half or more taking the points with Boston U. And so my total 135, 134 and a half or less looking over 135 and a half or higher to the under. 306-611, Grambling and Dartmouth do battle in San Antonio. No numbers up on this game, but with Grambling, I made them the two and a half point favorite and made my total 134 and a half with Grambling. And a little bit of a rough go of it against Incarnate Word yesterday, but I do like what I've been seeing out of the Scrambling team. You got a double-double yesterday out of Katari Gordon, someone who had a lot of fanfare coming out of high school, just was never able to get things online in general. And then I've also got in the backcourt, Cam Christian. Christian has been able to give the team double figures. Last season, shot 40% from three. That is down to more like 25% this season. I do think that he's going to be able to have a nice little rebound here, though, and has been able to give the team a bit over a seal per game. And for Dartmouth, just a bunch that I don't know what they're trying to do because they've always been very, very slow. They've been a methodical team. They've really been cranking up their tempo recently, though. So it really is interesting because Dusan Neskovic, he's coming from Bosnia and Herzegovina and going into the game yesterday against UT San Antonio. Looked really good. 13 points. Four and a half rebounds per game, but was limited to just seven minutes in that game against Incarnate Word. And, and his usage indicates that he's probably got maybe perhaps a little bit of an injury, something along those lines. And the team has always been a little bit banged up as Graham Kishoyak. If he's able to stay out there on the floor, is so, but he's been limited to about eight minutes per game. You've got Ryan Cornish, who's able to give you 11 points, two and a half assists. All in all, Dartmouth entering into yesterday, shooting 37.5% from three, but 17 turnovers per game. So they get their shot, but... They uh, turned the ball over a lot to be able to get those shots. On top of that, they're shooting 64% at the free throw line. Dami Akulin has been solid. Eight points, seven and a half rebounds per game, but he's the only guy that's really given the team more than four and a half rebounds per game, so leaves quite a bit of something to be desired. And with Grambling, they don't necessarily have the world's greatest depth, but I do think that someone like a Vershawn Cotton, who was able to average nine and a half points per game as a starter at Long Island a few seasons ago, is going to be able to help out this team. And also like what I'm seeing out of Shindarius Coward, who's been able to give the team nine points per contest in last season, shot 36.5% from three-point range. So set Grambling as a two and a half point favorite, one to lay up to two with M3 or more taking the points with Dartmouth and semi total 134 and a half. This is game number three in three days for both of these teams. So 134 or less looking over 135 or higher to the under. 306613, 306614. UT Martin is going to be playing us to McNeese State. McNeese State is an underdog of seven and a half points, and your total on this game is 145. And with UT Martin, I did make them a nine point favorite. UT Martin should have much more firepower out there in the backcourt. And McNeese State, they're really going to be relying upon Christian Schulmate to be able to help them hold in this game. For Shulmate, last season averaged 10.6 rebounds per game. He's up to more like 12 points at 10 boards per game this season, and he should be able to win that battle down low, but the UT Martin, you've got good flexibility. 
down low. Has he been able to get eight points, five and a half rebounds per game out of Chris Nix? Someone like a KK Curry has been able to give you four and a half boards. It's a UT Martin team that they shoot about 32 and a half percent from three point range, but I think the best is yet to come for Parker Stewart. Stewart, when he was last on campus for UT Martin many years ago, the 2019 20 season, averaged 19 points, four boards, four and a half assists. He was last season at Indiana, a little bit of an underwhelming season for him, but now has been able to give the team 13 plus points in each of the last five games after a little bit of an underwhelming start. You've also got KJ Simon, who does a good job giving out two and a half assists, 1.5 steals per contest, and that's the other thing with Stewart. Three steals per game. He's been terrific of just being able to rip the ball away, but when it comes to just mainly three-point shooting, you've got Jordan Sears, who's looking like he did a few seasons ago at Gardner-Webb, shooting 37.5% from three, 10 points per game, had a little bit of a rough season last year, but he looks to have rebounded UT Martin just a little bit more depth than a McNeese team that I do like what they've been able to get out of Zach Scott, nine points per game, has always been about a 35-36% three-point shooter. Malachi Rhodes is able to give you five rebounds per game, but with McNeese this bunch has shown that they're one of the lesser defensive teams at all of college basketball they gave up 88 points to Western Carolina, 78 points to Lindenwood, which is not too terrific. Both of these are mid-tempo teams. Both of these teams not efficient on the defensive end, to say the least, but I do think that UT Martin, with more depth, going to be able to get it done and going to be able to wear out make these eight in the second half. So, made it UT Martin a nine-point favor, willing to lay it. Semi-total at a 148, so also looking at this total over 306-615-306-616 as it is UT San Antonio. Meet, meet for the Roadrunners, who play us incarnate word. No numbers up on this game, but with San Antonio, I made them an eight-and-a-half-point favorite and made my total 130-and-a-half for incarnate word. A little bit of credit to them. They were able to actually provide quite a bit of a speed bump yesterday against Grambling. They were able to play very solidly, but because they did have to play an overtime game, they're going to be a little bit more exhausted. You do have Brandon Swaby in the backcourt. He's been able to do a solid job. He's given the team seven points per contest. Two seasons ago, shot 43% from three. Has never really been able to refine that form, but now you've got Jonathan Cisse, who's been able to come up from the non-D1 level, and it's been a nice find for this team with right around 11 points, three boards, about two and a half assists per game. He's able to pop some threes, so that's very big for them because Joshua Morgan, who's been a little bit of a sixth man, has been solid at being able to score off the bench with about eight points per game. Last season shot 38.5% from three, but you got absolutely nothing down low with this Incarnate Word team and with UT San Antonio. It's not like this team is going to have anyone going out there and giving you like 10 rebounds per game or anything like that, but you still have Jacob Germany in the fold. He's always been rock solid for the team. Six half points, 10 points per game, so you know what you're going to be able to get there. And then Jafet Meter has been really solid. Coming up from the non-D1 level, about 12 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, steal per contest. It's a UT San Antonio team that they're only shooting his collective about 29.5% from 3. They've been turning the ball over a little bit, but you tell that as the games have been going along, they've been looking more and more solid. They got Lambeson when they went up against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi to begin the season, but the Prairie View win was very solid for them. They were able to get a nice win over Texas State as well. A little bit more of a controlled team, and for UT San Antonio, it looks like they've throttled down a little bit, but they're playing more in control now, and that is a good thing for the team. So as a result, made by total 130 and a half, 130 or less, looking over 131 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the total under of the UT San Antonio. One to lay up to eight with them, nine or more taking the points with Incarnate Word. 306-617, It is Kansas playing us to Texas Southern. Texas Southern is an underdog of 23 points, and your total on this game is 138 to 138 and a half. And Texas Southern, so the mess a 21 and a half point dog. I'm going to be willing to take the points with Kansas. The team is actually 
actually very solid on defense. That gets lost on a lot of people with what we saw in their battle for Atlantis games, but the team is leaving quite a bit of something to be desired on offense. Grady Dick has looked terrific, 15.5 points, four boards, shooting 47.5% from three, but all in all, Kansas shooting 33% from the outside, 62.5% at the free throw line. Jalen Wilson is a good deodorant to mask a lot of the deficiencies of this team. 23 points, nine boards, three assists. He does it all, but really don't have that one shot eraser down low for the team like you used to have a few seasons ago. You knew what McCormick was going to be able to give you down low. Now you have been able to get five and a half assists at two seals per game under Ron Harris, but not really a guy that's going to go out there, give you a lot of scoring. And I'm a little bit surprised that they don't give more minutes to guys like a Joseph Yusufu, who's only been able to give the team about four points per game. Meanwhile, for Texas Southern, no question about it, not the most rock solid of backcourts, but you have Davin Barnes who's come in, and he's been able to do a very solid job with his Texas Southern bunch. Not necessarily a guy with a ton of size, 14 points, four boards, shooting 38.5% from three, and each of your top three scores for the Texas Southern team. He, along with P.J. Henry and John Walker the third, they are actually combining for 39.5 points per contest. All three of these guys give you between three and four and a half rebounds per game. They are also combining for four seals per game, and all three of them shoot between 36.8 and 38.5% from three-point range. This is for a team that has a collective. They're only shooting 27% from three and 57.5% at the free throw line. So clearly, it's a big three situation. Then you've got everyone else. You've got Jordan Carl Nicholas. He's been able to hold in their seven rebounds per game. He's been a nice little help for the team, and they've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Jordan Gilliam. Gilliam, when he's been out there, he's been relatively solid in terms of his on-ball defending. You may recall two seasons ago when the team made the NCAA tournament, he was throwing out nearly three assists, six points per game has never been a great scorer, but it's someone that is able to provide quite a bit as a little bit of a bigger guy that's able to pass the ball, but with Texas Southern, they're always a team that they rank in the top 50 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Scoring is a little bit of a tough spot for them, but I was willing to semi-total at 137.5. I think that Texas Southern going to be able to hold up on defense, and Kansas, they're really lacking a lot of outside shooting. So, taking a look at this total under, and I'm willing to take 23 here with Texas Southern, and we're wrapping things up with 306619, San Diego is going to be playing us on Longwood. The Lancers of Longwood are between a 3.5 to a 4-point underdog. Totals between 142 and 142.5 Really like what I've been seeing on the San Diego team. As a result, I did set them as a 7.5 point favorite with San Diego. You bring in a pair of guys that were stars at the Pac-12 level in Eric Williams Jr. and Jaden Dallaire. With Williams, he has been amazing to begin the season. 17 points, 11 boards, shooting about 34% from three with two steals per game. And then Dallaire hasn't necessarily been doing a ton of scoring, but he's been able to really help out down low on the glasses. He's been able to give the team about 6.5 rebounds to go along 10.5 points per game. And is shooting 50% for three. All in all, San Diego shooting 37.5% from the outside, 75% the free throw line. What is really ailing San Diego right now, though, is that they rank in the bottom 45 in all of college basketball in opponents' three-point shooting percentage, and now they go up against a Longwood team that is shooting 40% from three-point range. Isaiah Wilkins has been register 11.5 points, 4.5 boards per game for Longwood. They don't necessarily have that one primary score with Justin Hill not out of the fold, but Waylon Napper, who comes in from Southern Miss, he's been able to do a good job doing out three assists. He's been able to give the team as well 10.5 points per game, and then down low, it's really a by-committee approach. You have three different guys in Wilkins, who I mentioned before, 
Leslie Kareem, along with Zach Watson, will be able to combine for about 15 rebounds per game. This team is really not going to do a lot of shot or racing as they don't necessarily have a lot of size down low, but you've got a lot of just gifted scorers in general. Someone like a Deshaun Wade has been able to give the team 8 points per game. Last season, he was actually able to give the team more like 12 points per game, so I do think that you're going to be seeing that ramp up a little bit more. Michael Christmas down low has been able to give you 8 points, 3.5 boards. He's able to pop a few threes as well, but I do think that San Diego just has a a little bit more talent, and they've got a little bit more versatility with someone like a Marcellius Erlington. 13 points, 6 boards, not necessarily a great 3-point shooter, but Siko Shishu Jawara has been able to bomb it from 3-point range, making 40% of his triples to go along with 11.5 points per game. I do think that this is going to be a rather high-scoring game. San Diego's been good at being able to make their threes. They've been bad at being able to guard the arc. They're not necessarily playing overly fast or else I would set a little bit of higher total, but semi-total at 143.5. I'm going to be one to go over, and with San Diego, made them a 7.5-point favorite, so one to lay the points and that will wrap things up. For the Monday edition of Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, a big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, want to have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Via that five-star review, I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season. And he's I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.